Uh, let's open to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. As you're turning there, uh, we read in Ephesians chapter 4 that God has given to his church uh, different church leaders. And one of their purposes in Ephesians 4 is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So it's given to the church leaders to equip believers, to equip church members for the work of ministry. And so tonight is going to be, uh, Lord willing, an equipping time over these next 30 minutes or so when I will do my best with God's help to equip us in a particular area of ministry. And that area of ministry is interacting with unbelievers, specifically providing some biblical answers or biblical responses to questions about Christianity. As you've interacted with unbelievers, I trust that you have either heard outright verbally or you've uh, inferred from their conversations that they think certain things about Christianity that may or may not be true, or they have hesitations about Christianity that, that again, may or may not be true. And we want to hear those and then provide Bible answers to those. So this is all in a desire to equip us as a church and you individually to have biblical responses to questions about Christianity. Now, as I put this together, I was helped by a resource from Spread Truth. Spread Truth is a really great ministry. It's actually a ministry that uh, Lydia Sheps works for, does some writing for, uh, as well as a resource by, by a man named Matthew Rutten. But how can we respond to questions about Christianity and do it in, in a Bible way? That's the question before us. I'm going to give us just a quick summary reminder of what 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says. So if you're one who takes notes, you certainly could write these things down, but it's really just a, a kind of restatement or summary of what 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says. So you have it there in front of you. Let's read verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter 3, beginning verse 15. But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Let's pray one more time, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming before your mercy seat. We thank you that it is open to us through Christ. And now we want to understand what your word says so that we can do what 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 instruct us to do, which is to be prepared to give answers, to give a reason for the hope that you have given to us. So help us to do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we see in 1 Peter 3? Verses 15 and 16. Well, first we see that we are to revere Christ as Lord. That's what we saw in the first part of the verse, right? In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So if, as we interact with unbelievers, it really starts with personal preparation of our own submission to Christ as Lord and then living that out. So if you hesitate, I think we all could say we hesitate to interact with unbelievers about Jesus. 
uh, it's, it's worth going back and just assessing, okay, am, am I fully submitted in my heart to Christ as Lord? Does he have all of me? Am I living my life in, in submission to the King of Kings? That will motivate us to tell others about our good and gracious King. Then the passage goes on. Secondly, we ought to be prepared. So always being prepared to make a defense to anyone. We prepare for all kinds of things, don't we? Right? right now, there are some of us in our church preparing for the Detroit ministry trip. And so we have packing lists and we have plans and all this. And, and we prepare. Well, have you prepared to talk with unbelievers about the hope that is in you? If you haven't prepared, I'm glad you're here tonight because we're going to prepare. We're going to be equipped. And part of that is to be prepared to do this. And then the passage goes on. Anyone who asks us, for a reason, for the hope that is in you. So we want to be prepared with a reason for the hope that we have, the hope that God has given to us. So we have the hope. It should be evident to people who know us. And we should have prepared a reason or reasons for this hope. We are to do this with gentleness and respect. So it matters what we say, and it matters how we say it. With gentleness and respect, God says here uh, through, through Peter. And then it also matters that we live it, right? So it matters what we say, it matters how we say it, and it matters that we live it. We, we need to walk the talk, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Again, not really five points to write down necessarily. Just want to draw our attention to, to, the, to these verses. And now, for the rest of our time together, we're going to do what I, as a, as a coach, often do with the athletes that I coach and the teams that I coach. We're going to practice. We're going to practice. If you are part of a, a, a musical ensemble, a choir, or a sports team, or anything like this, you practice. That's, that's what, that's what we, we do to prepare. Now, some of you are already getting uncomfortable. You're thinking, Pastor Kevin's going to make me talk to an unbeliever tonight. No, I'm not going to make you do that, okay? But we are going to do, maybe you, you'd call it role play, where we are going to interact with people who are sitting near us and, and ask each other questions that Unbelievers might ask us, again, whether explicitly verbally or, or they might imply it in what they say. And then we're going to help each other answer those questions all, you know, from, from, from God's word. Don't worry. I'll lead us through this, okay? I'll lead us through this. But if, if we're not prepared, then we're really not following what 1 Peter three fifteen and 16 say. Always being prepared. You've probably heard it said that practice makes perfect, right? Who's heard this? Practice makes perfect. That's actually not totally true, is it? Practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. So if you practice poorly, you'll play poorly. If you practice well, you'll, you'll play well. And so we want to practice as best as we can to be able to provide biblical responses to questions that people may have about Christianity. So here's what we'll do. I have a couple questions on the screen. And I'm going to lead us to the first one and how we might 
respond to a question from an unbeliever like this. Now, again, you may not hear this verbally expressed in this way, but you maybe can already think of people in your life who have this as part of their worldview. You know someone like this? So how do we interact? How do we respond to, to a question or a statement like this? About a week and a half ago, I was interacting with somebody in our community, and, and they know that I'm a believer, and they know I'm, I'm a pastor. And uh, it was an unusual interaction because uh, this person was telling me about a dream they had, and, uh, and then they asked me to interpret it. <laughs> Not exactly like that, but it was like, so what do you think that means? And I'm like... I'm not Joseph. I'm Moses. Okay, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. Okay. Um, but again, the person knows I'm, I'm a Christian and, and knows I'm, I'm a pastor. And they truly, like this dream was troubling. I, I would say troubling them. They were thinking about it. And they shared it with me. And they asked, like, what do you think that means? And I thought, man, what an opportunity, a unique opportunity. I didn't wake up that morning thinking I was going to have this conversation with anyone, uh, much less an unbeliever. And and part of her, part of the conversation, part of what, what she was expressing is that the dream made her think about death and eternity. And I, I told her, I said, I said, you know, the Bible says it's actually good for us to think about how short this life is. I was thinking back to some of the things that Andrew shared a few weeks ago. It's good for us to think about what happens after we die. I, I encouraged her. And, and she communicated something like this. Which is, um, yeah, I mean, people of faith, they're all kinds of different faiths and, and, and different people have different beliefs and, and different gods. And, and, and she asked, you know, like, like, how do I know which one's right? So how would, how would we respond to, to a question like this? Now, for each one of these questions tonight, I also have, and again, I, I appreciate Spread Truth and, and their resource here. I have a few uh, follow-up questions that we might ask. So if, if you're talking with somebody, again, it depends on how long you have with the person or your, your relationship with the person, but it's usually helpful to ask follow-up clarifying questions. You know, you know this is true, right? So if somebody makes a statement like this or they imply this or they outright ask something like this, it might be helpful before we just give our answer to, to make sure we understand what they're saying or what they're not saying. So some examples of, of some follow-up questions might be, uh, well, well, what other gods do you have in mind? Is this person thinking of specific other gods? That'd be helpful to know. This person may not even know what gods are out there. They might just have this as, as something that they've heard. And so it may be helpful that, to ask, okay, well, well, what other gods are, are you thinking about? Or what do you consider to be a god? Will this person, will they actually name a God that they're worshiping? They might. It'd be helpful to know that. It'd be helpful to know what they think the word God, and here I mean lowercase g, what, what that word means. So some follow-up questions would be, would be helpful. And then how might, we, how might we answer this? So again, tonight, each one of these questions, I'll ask you with the, the person next to you or the, someone near you to, to think of maybe some follow-up questions just like we have here, and then, and then some answers. Now, we're going to have different ways of communicating the same truth. So I don't want to stand before you tonight and say there's only one way to answer this question. Uh, 
there is kind of you know one answer, but there are different ways of, of saying the same truth. So, so some ways to answer this is to talk about what God has done for us through Jesus. I don't know a lot about other gods, but I don't know of other gods who gave their son to forgive sinners right, by dying on the cross, right? So that's what makes our God different than other gods, again, depending on what they mean by, by other gods, right? Our God gives peace and joy. He doesn't, doesn't demand things of us in the same way that other gods do. And you can go on and on and on, okay? Now, ultimately, you want to direct the person to what God has said, right? These answers aren't, aren't from us. They're, they're from God in his word. And again, depending on the length of conversation, the time you have, depending on your relationship with the person, the person might be willing to, to look at a Bible passage with you. Or they might be willing to, to next week meet up and, and look at a passage that talks about what our God has done. And so one passage for this question would be in 1 Timothy 2. There is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So this is, again, just uh, one way to approach a question like this. Now, I have five more questions. We probably won't get through all of them tonight, okay? But we're going to practice. We're going to practice so we can be equipped, we can be prepared to give reason for the hope that is in us. Before I get to the questions, or at least the next one, if you yourself have a question like this that you would appreciate some help with answering, whether for yourself or for someone else, maybe, maybe you've heard unbelievers ask certain questions about Christianity and you've tried your best and uh, you're still trying your best, but you would appreciate it if, if we would address this you know, in, a, in a public way, then, then please, please ask. Please submit questions. You can email them or write them down or text or call or lots of ways. Okay? But in, in future weeks, we'd love to address questions like this that, that you've either received or you anticipate hearing from unbelievers. Uh, we want to equip our church, you, uh, to give reason for the hope that is in you. Make sense? All right, so we're going to practice. Practice is beginning. Now, you can't choose whether or not to participate. But you can choose your partner or partners, okay? All right? So we're going to, like in practice, right? We're all going to team up with a buddy, okay? So just get, make sure you have someone near you. It can be a spouse. It can be a child. In fact, if, if you're like our family, you have young children. Maybe you'll have like three or four partners, your young children, okay? But you'll work together. And the question, the next question that you are receiving from an unbeliever that you're going to talk through how you might follow up and answer is this question. It's a statement, really. I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? I'm a good person. That should be enough. I bet many of you have heard this. Maybe not stated like this, but you have caught on to this type of belief, this type of worldview, this understanding. So the first thing we're going to do, and you're going to do this with your partner or partners, is what are some follow-up questions we might ask? Follow-up questions. I'll give you one minute. Come up with maybe two or three follow-up questions to this kind of belief or statement. Ready? Go. Yeah, if you need to move to get closer to somebody else, please do that. You won't bother me. You'll actually encourage me. Okay. 
Okay, as we, as we end our individual practice and come back together to team practice here, uh, who would, who would uh, volunteer and say, this is one follow-up question that, um, that you might ask, and if you don't want to say your answer, you can say your partner's answer, okay? Uh, what's a follow-up question that we might ask? Dave? Yeah. What is good? What does it mean to be good? Who defines what is good or who is good? Very good. Who, who talked about something like that? Great. Good. Another follow-up question we might ask. Yes. Yeah, good enough for what? Sure. Do you, you all hear that? Okay. So good enough for what? What's the metric? What are you trying to get? What are you trying to earn? What? Good enough for what? Good. No pun intended. Good. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a metric, right? We have a standard. And, and would you like to, to hear what the standard is from God? Good. I think we basically covered the follow-up questions that I came up with. So what is a good person? What makes someone a bad person? And who decides? Who decides what's good and bad? And again, you, your individual teammate, you maybe came up with, with some others. Okay, so now together, together with your partner, now how would we maybe answer this question? What are some answers that we would give? I'll give you less time. All right, so how might we answer this person who would, uh, who would give us one way of answering this person? Just one way you'd answer. You all sure talked a lot. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you were talking about. Uh, there was a hand, yeah. So, like, I guess the biggest answer, right, the, the main answer is none of us is good. Like, we've all sinned. Now, as you interact with an unbeliever, feel free to acknowledge your own sin. And again, depending on your relationship with that person, you, you might even be able to, to be somewhat specific. Not, not you know, more than just, well, I've sinned and you've sinned and we've all sinned. But you might even say, you know, you've, you've seen me sin. You've experienced my sin. I've, I've sinned in ways that have affected you. So you know that I'm not a good person. And, and we've all sinned. So that is a, a, a humble way of, again, opening the door and just acknowledging that, that we're, all, we're all sinners. Right? So according to God, no one is actually good. So why, why would God allow anyone into, into a perfect heaven? Because none of us is good. And Ginny mentioned Romans 3.23, Romans 3.10-11 is another helpful passage, right? As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. So this is all of us. This is all of us. All right, next question. Thanks for your participation. Not that I gave you a choice, but thanks for participating. All right, next question. This is a tougher one. If there is a God, and you might even add, if there's a good God, if this God is good and perfect like you say he is, then why do bad things happen to good people? Or they might say, why do bad things happen to innocent people? Or why do bad things happen to, to children? Why do these bad things happen that, that affect people who didn't deserve it, who don't deserve it? 
What are some follow-up questions that we, we would ask? And then I'll have you talk amongst yourselves with, with some answers. But what are some follow-up questions together here that we might ask about this kind of, of question to, to clarify? Say that again. Why not? Okay. So what, why wouldn't bad things happen to, to good people? There was somebody else. Okay. So what is a good person? What is a bad thing? And what is a good person? And that goes along with what Mike was saying, right? Like if we're, if we're building on the last question, uh, does anybody deserve anything good? Okay. Was there somebody? Yeah. That's a really, really good follow-up question. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes they themselves perceive themselves to be undeserving of something bad that's happened to them. So this question is less about a school shooting at the other side of the nation and more about something that happened to them. So it's personal. And it's, it's a really good way to follow up, which is to ask them has something bad happened to you that you think you, you didn't deserve? That's a really great follow-up question. Some other follow-up questions here. Do you believe bad things are a result of evil? The question built into the question is this moral compass that bad things should happen to bad people and good things should happen to good people. That's inherent in the question itself. Or you might ask, do you struggle with good things happening to bad people as well? Again, if that moral reasoning is, is present in the person. Now, with your, uh, with your teammate, with your partner, what are some answers, some ways you would answer this question? I'll give you one minute. Some ways you'd answer this question. Ready? Go. I didn't set a timer, but I think that's been about a minute. What are some ways you'd answer this question? Again, there are books written on, these, on this question, right? Um, we have many in our church library. They're really, really good. Uh, what was that? That's right. Dr. Burke, Brad Burke wrote, wrote books about this, okay? Um, so you could just say, well, let me introduce you to my friend Brad, and, and he can answer that question for you. Right? Uh, yes? Wow, that's a really, really good answer, right? So what happened at the cross? A bad thing happened to the only good person who ever lived. Yeah, thank you, Connor. So you can take that and really turn it right to, right to the gospel itself. Good. Because of sin, right? Sin entered the world, and sin has effects that are both individual but also, also universal. exactly right most people even if they're not religious or people of faith they can look back in their life and see things that they perceived as bad at a certain point that actually turned out for their good and and that that is true and even if they don't understand who god is or believe in god they still may be able to do that good yeah
think I, I think I caught what you said, Carly. Yes, thank you. Okay, so bad things are a result of our individual choice to sin. Am I saying that correctly? What you said? Okay, thank you, Carly. So we sin, and so we reap the consequences of our sin. Bad things, right? This goes back to the couple questions previous. These are great. Well done. Boy, our team is ready. Our team is, we have practiced well. Anything else? Any other? Yes. Yeah, the mercy of Christ shown to two thieves on the, uh, well, specifically one thief who repented, right? Um, but, but the mercy of Christ shown to us who, who, are, who, who are sinners. Good. That's right. Whenever people start to reason through what's good and bad, then, then that, that's a great conversation to have because it means they have a moral compass some, somewhere, somehow. And we're not trying to, like, trap them and show them their inconsistencies, uh, but we're trying to, to pull out of them what they believe and, and to show how, how what God says is, is more true, more right. Um, so some answers I wrote down. Uh, bad things are a result of sin, some immediate and individual, some delayed and universal. The Christian worldview has a solution, has, has an ultimate resolution for all the bad things that are happening, right? God will remake everything one day. It was created perfectly. We've messed it up and God's going to remake it one day. That's hope. That's hope for people who are stru- struggling with, with bad things happening either to themselves or, or to people who they perceive as, as good. I'm going to take note of the clock and end here. Okay? I had more questions. Maybe in, the, in, uh, in future weeks we'll look at some more of these. And again, if there are questions that you would like us to, to address as we prepare to interact with unbelievers, please let us know. Please let us know. Uh, I, I love receiving questions and, and trying my best to answer them. What passage might we use for, for this question uh, in Romans 8? This is the passage that uh, we, we read. The creation waits with eager longing. The creation was subjected to futility. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, has these categories. Because of sin, our world is broken, and we feel that. But the Christian worldview also has this category, that God will remake it all one day. And and we we can't wait for that day, right? We cannot wait. I hope, I pray, that we will be prepared for these conversations. Maybe even this week. Maybe even this week. May we do it with gentleness and respect. But may we be prepared. Let's, let's be prepared. All right, let's pray, and then, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, help us. Help us to revere, honor you in our hearts.
as the holy king and Lord of all. Help us to submit to your rule, including your call to to make disciples. So, Father, send us into this week now looking for those who, who have no peace, those who have no joy, no hope. And Father, help us to be prepared, to be ready, to give a reason for the hope that we have. Give us gentleness and respect and humility and help us to, to walk what we, what we say, to, to walk the talk, to live it out. All for your glory and ultimately so that uh, you'd receive more honor from more worshipers. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Thanks for coming this evening. We are dismissed.